I'm going to do my best to make it through this morning. It has been a it's been a week. It's been an interesting week. I'll talk to you a little bit about it here in a second. Um, we started this uh, series last week, um, and I remember sitting um, in the back and, and, and hearing some things that Brandon was talking about. And just having a uh, a kick to the gut a little bit. Just in what my idea of living for God looks like compared to what what this looks like. And uh, we, we started talking about Moses. And, and I know a lot of people, when you look at Moses, you're like, well, Mo- it's Moses. Moses is like a stud. Uh, and in all reality, Moses did not have his stuff together. Kind of gives me a little hope, uh, as I as I hope that God continues to use me. Um, but Moses was a guy just to catch you up a little bit. Uh, he, he spent his first forty years of his life in Egypt, uh, under the shelter of the palace of Pharaoh, and and every day he saw the oppression of his people, the Israelites. And one day he he decides he's going to uh, to kill and bury an Egyptian who was who was beating uh, one of those Israelites and. Uh, he was found out uh, that he did this, and so he, he, he hit the road. Uh, he flees to Midian, where eventually he marries Zipporah and takes a job as a shepherd for his father-in-law uh, and his flock. And so, no joke, um, Moses is a guy who is running, he's in hiding, uh, and he's a shepherd. Um, and so, uh, if you go to Israel today, you still see this. You still see shepherds just... Taking a taking a taking a flock, taking a herd, taking whatever it is they're they're over, and and they're they're secluded. They're by themselves. They're in solitude. Uh, there's nothing special, uh, really, about uh, the way their their job is viewed. And so Moses was a guy that did not have it all together. And I say that for you, uh, in an understanding that many of us think that there's a part that we're supposed to look before God uses us. And I, I keep uh, seeing in Scripture that is, that is not the case. I don't know where the church got that wrong or where Christianity got that wrong, that, hey, you're, you're going through a training right now, and as soon as you get to a certain spot, then God will use you. And that's just not the case. It's not the case at all. And it wasn't the case for Moses. Uh, and so we get to a place where as he's, um, as he's a shepherd, uh, one day while he's out in the desert and he's, he's leading his flock, uh, a bush decides to light on fire and talk to him. Uh, and just the, the whole scene, if you can, for a second, just place yourself as a spectator of that. Uh, and, just, and I get how crazy that sounds, uh, but God appears to, to Moses in the form of a burning bush that, that is not uh, burning up. It's just on fire without heat, uh, and, and God begins to have a conversation with Moses. Maybe if you're anything like me, that's what it took to get Moses' attention, right? Uh, God is trying to get my attention constantly with this, but there are times where I need, uh, no joke, something that will just freak me out in order to speak to me. I don't know if any of you are like that. I'm seeing some, some heads nod, so, so good. I, I'm not alone in that. Uh, but God begins to tell Moses about this plan. Um, and we saw the first part of this conversation last uh, week, and... And, and Moses knows about the cries of the Israelites, and, and God is basically setting the path for Moses to, to be able to understand, like, hey, I, I've got a plan in place. It's an awesome plan, too. Uh, and you're going to be the point person on it. Right? You ever hear that at work? Like, hey, we have this big deal coming up. You're going to be the point person on it? You're like, 
Are you serious right now? Right, there's a lot that comes with that, right? And so Moses, hearing that God has this plan for him to be the point person, um, begins to have some, some doubts, some questions. And, and so that's where I want to pick us up uh, today. Uh, and it's going to be in Exodus chapter 3. If you've got uh, your Bibles, I'm going to pray for us real quick before we dive into this. Um, because I, there are going to be some things, as I've gone through this note, these, these notes for, for this lesson, um, there's going to be some things that you look at, and, and I, I want you to know this. My desire this morning is not to beat you down. I promise. I promise. There are, there are things that were said in here that I desperately needed to hear. And because I know that we all fail in our flesh, I would imagine there are hearts in this place that need to hear it too. And so let's pray. God, I pray that this morning is about a desire to meet you. I pray that this morning is about a desire, a passion to know, to understand, to grow that much closer in our understanding of you. You met, you met Moses. He didn't have a Bible to operate off of. He didn't have a written word to operate off of. But you met with him. You challenged him. In fact, your challenge made him uncomfortable. And because of that, he responded in discomfort. I would imagine that all of your children today, even though we have the written word in front of us, respond in the same way. And so, God, I pray that that our desire today is to respond with a boldness. As we take a step back and we look at our life with you, that we have the boldness, the guts to be able to acknowledge the areas where we need to press into you more. And so, God, I pray that over this morning. We love you. We do this in your son's beautiful name. Amen. So this starts off in Exodus uh, chapter 3. So so we're still in the conversation of a burning bush speaking to Moses. So I just want to make sure that's clear. Uh, So Exodus chapter 3, verse 10 is where we'll start. All right? And we're going to see... We're going to see something interesting in this. We're going to see five different excuses that Moses throws at God. And I, the, the excuses aren't going to be on, up on the screen. Uh, I would challenge you to write them down. Okay? And I'll, I'll say them a couple times just for you. But I would imagine there are hearts in here that need to see these excuses. And then I'm going to give you God's response. And that I, if I'm betting money, you're going to be able to take a look at your life and see these excuses and see his response. And I, I would imagine there's going to be many of you, as you're in your adventure with God right now, there's going to be something in you that's, yeah, that's, okay, that's me, and that's his response. And I need to find a boldness in that response. So uh, we start in chapter 3, uh, verse 10. And, and God is talking to Moses, still in the form of a burning bush, and he says this, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children, out of Israel, out of Egypt. Okay, so it's a very, it's a very simple it's a very simple challenge that he's given out. It's crazy, but it's a simple challenge as far as, hey, you're going to go to Egypt. You're going to bring my people back. Okay? So, like, Moses understands and acknowledges, okay, there's two things you're looking for. You're going to send me, and then I'm going to bring people out of Egypt, right? Uh, it's not a multiple choice thing, right? Uh, I think a lot of us try to negotiate with God a little bit. 
Um, I, I remember doing this a lot as a, as a kid on the, on the baseball diamond. If you will just let me win this game, I will go to church Sunday, I promise. Right? And that's the negotiating I had with God. And I still do this today. There's different, it just looks different. Uh, but w- notice that God did not say, hey, Moses, Mo, buddy, um, I have this idea to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. What are your thoughts? You know, he didn't, he didn't say that. He, do you have a better idea in, in place, right? He didn't do that. He came in and said, hey, Israelites are coming home. You're leading them. And that was it. That was the call. It was simple. It was bold, but it was simple. We need to get to a point where we understand that it is not on us to negotiate what the next steps are with God. Some of us are like, are, we're running in circles because of this. Like God has put something in front of you. God has put someone at work. God has put somebody in your life that he is, he is just trying to push you. Hey, go reach out to that person. And we're like, well, let's, let's wait. Let's, let's, just, let's just wait. Okay. Maybe they should approach me first. I'll take that as confirmation. And then we'll start the discussion. And we're just dancing in circles. And for many of us, it's causing this, this anxiety in us, this fear in us, this, uh, this stress in our lives that in all reality, if we would just take that step these things would happen in our life that we never saw coming. This, this fruit would take place that we never saw coming. So, so this is what God gives Moses. And Moses, in, cha- in verse 11, chapter 10, I'm, I'm going to laugh at all these excuses, even though I know I use all of them. Uh, and he responds with this, right? So verse 11. But Moses, I imagine if there's a book written about my life, there's a lot of but Chris, like in the response, like, but Chris decided to say to God, no, right? I would imagine that your book looks similar to that too, right? So, but Moses, as God gives him this challenge, but Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So, excuse number one. And remember, there's not going to be on the screen, but if you'd write them down, I would love it because I think you're going to see something with these. Excuse number one, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Excuse number one, this is what Moses is leading the ga- out the gate. I, you want me to go talk to Pharaoh. I'm a shepherd in the desert. I was running from him at one point. And now you want me to go to him. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not the man for the job there. I'm not good enough to do that. What we don't understand is we're acting as if we're the heroes in this story, right? So where, where is it, just on your own, think about this to yourself, where is it that you're not good enough? And, and I would imagine, I would imagine all of us have in our story a moment where God has called us to do something and our first response was, whoa, whoa, slow the reins down a little bit. I don't know if I can do that. And, and we immediately go to our imperfections to show us why we're not capable of doing something that God's going to be the one to do in the first place. Right? So this is Moses' number one excuse. He's out the gate with it. I'm not good enough to pull that off, God. I, I thank you for asking me, uh, but I don't think I'm the man for your job. And so God responds back. In verse 12, this conversation continues. He said, but I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So to our I'm not good enough excuse, God gives us a response. Feel free to write this down as well. <laughs> God's response as we say, I'm not good enough, is, he says this, you're right. You're not good enough. 
but I'll be with you. You're right, you're not good enough. In fact, if you know the story of Moses, if he were to go up to Pharaoh and God were not a part of the equation at all, he'd say, hey, let my people go. Pharaoh would say, no, none of the plagues would happen. He wouldn't get the people back. This is not going to happen because Moses is this stud shepherd. It's not what's going to happen. Right? So God says, he looks at you, looks at me, and says, you're right. You are not good enough. I'll be with you. I got this. And the relationship between us and God is the way it should be. Not that we're the ones that are able to accomplish everything that we accomplish. God is going to be with us. And that's how he responds to Moses in verse 12. So then it continues, right? So that's excuse number one. And I imagine as you look at your life that I'm not good enough is a huge one. In fact, I teach, um, I got moved to senior this year, but I've taught 7th through ninth grade for the past 12 years at a, at a Christian school in Fort Worth. And the number one thing I hear from students is the, the, the biggest struggle they have is the way they see themselves. And mom and dad, that's not you. That's, that's this world. That's where Satan has gotten really good. He's gotten really good. He's gotten really powerful. He's convinced us at a younger age, you're not worthy. You're not capable. Everyone, everyone's going to make fun of you. And so because of that, we, we shrink up. And that boldness is not even a part of our vocabulary. And we end up saying, as God calls us to do the things that he calls us to do every single day of our lives, I'm not good enough for that. And I come up with a million reasons why I don't do that. And God all along is saying, you're right, you're not good enough, but I'm right here with you. goes on. Verse 13. He continues. Then Moses said to God. So God says, hey, I got you. And Moses says, okay, wait, wait. If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Right, so now, now Moses is, is, is okay, the, the I'm not good enough didn't work. You had a really good response. Way to go, God. Let's, let's go round two on this. And so excuse number two for Moses becomes, I don't have all the answers. This is a huge one, I think, in the church today. This is a huge one for you and wherever you work. This is a huge one for you with your families. This is a huge one for me and my dad. Uh, my, my stinking dad. My dad's not a believer. And I struggle with this thought that he's going to be standing before the gate. And because he doesn't have this faith, he doesn't have this, this, this life that wants to pursue Jesus, that he's going to get turned away. And I've created excuses since I was a teen on why I don't want to have that conversation with him. And a big part of it is because I don't have all the answers. Again, somewhere along the line, we said to ourselves, I have to have this suit that looks awesome. I'm well put together. When I speak, only good things come out. When people see me, they admire me. For, for whatever reason, we think that's what God wants out of us. Before I can act, before I can have the conversation, before I go to that coworker that just seems broken, 
I've got to get myself, my life, put together first. Then, then when that moment happens and I feel good about that, then I'll have the conversation. And we're missing out on so much that God is putting right in front of us. Right in front of me. I don't have all the answers. So this is what Moses says next. That's his, his second excuse. I, God, you want me to go there? And think about this. He, like, I could see why this thought approaches him. He's going to go to Egypt. He's going to try to pull the Israelites out of Egypt. And keep in mind, this is the life the Israelites have known for several hundred years. Right? And so he's going to go to what has been life for them and say, hey, let me, let me pull you out of here. We're going to go somewhere else. It's a promised land. Yeah, what's the name of the city? I don't know. It's just a promised land. Somewhere. We're going to go. God's going to show us. And then all of a sudden, I would imagine a slew of questions happens. Right? Like, well, well, how are we going to get there? I, I don't know that yet. Do we have food and water? I'm not sure. Uh, do we know exactly where? No, I don't know the route we're going to get there. No clue. Right? And, and I would imagine, as, as Moses is like, once, if I do get them out, if that happens, what happens when they start asking me questions? How do you know your God is right? How do I answer that question? If, I, if I'm Moses, how do I answer that? And so all of a sudden now this fear of I don't have all the answers strikes. And so Moses again is saying, God, I get that you're asking me to do this. I don't have all the answers. So I, there's a guy named Phil down the street. Maybe you should ask him. Right? I, I imagine that's where Moses is trying to take this. And so then God responds. Again. Again. Moses throws that as an excuse. God has a response. God says to Moses, and this is, um, this is 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Seems so simple when you read it here. But as, he, as Moses says, I don't have all the answers. God's response is very simple. You don't need all the answers. Just know that I have the answers. You don't need all the answers. Just know that I have all the answers. If we would just be able... We're, Brandon said this, I don't know how many years ago, and I, I've never gotten this image out of my head. As Peter attempted to step out on the water... There was this, just this fear that took over him, right? And he did. He, he did step out on the water. He did step out on the water. But there, because of this fear, he slowly st- started to sink. I feel like every single one of us, I get, for me, that's my image. That's the thing that I need to hear, that, that there, are, there are moments in my life where God is saying, if you'll just step out on the water, I got you. You don't need to have all the answers. You don't need to look the part. I've got you. If you'll just step out on the water. And be able to live in this thing that we call faith with a boldness about you. And that's what God is trying to tell Moses. That's what God is trying to tell you. You don't have to have all the answers. I, I, I've seen um, at, at the school I teach at, we, we encourage the seniors to lead in small groups. And I would imagine as I say this, some of you would be like, yeah, I'd struggle with that. And, and they're supposed to lead the small group. So they've got 15 to 20 underclassmen that are in the group and seniors have to lead the small group. If I were to put you in this situation uh, that I just call you out by name and say, hey, there's going to be 15 people show up uh, on Wednesday night and I'm going to need you to lead this small group. 
Some of you just at the thought of that are like, no, okay, no. Whoa, wait, hold on. Because that small groups, there's going to be some things talked about, some questions asked. I don't know. I don't know the answer. I don't know how to, how to, how to speak in that regard, leaving that small group. What, what if I look dumb? What if I'm exposed on, on the whole, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't, I don't know as much as I need to know. I see that so many times, not only in seniors, but in people, and that's, that's a struggle because, you're, again, you're trying to look a certain part. You're trying to have the suit. You're trying to be well-spoken. And you're waiting till that moment, till you're confident in that moment before you say, now, God, use me. And in all reality, God is ready to use you right now to change the lives of the people around you. So this is God's response, the second response to the second excuse. You don't need all the answers, just know that I have them. And then we, and then we continue on chapter 3, okay? And God just lays out the plan. It's no longer really a back and forth. God, or Moses has given his first couple excuses, uh, and, and God comes in and says, hey, listen, I'm going to explain how this plan is going to work. And he lays it out for him. This burning bush lays out the plan. He tells Moses uh, to assemble the elders and tell them uh, about the promised land they'll be returning to. Right, and then uh, the, the Moses, or the Moses, Moses, and then the elders are supposed to go to Pharaoh uh, and, and and let them know, hey, God told us to come get our people out, right? And God lays this plan out and says, hey, I've got you on on the other areas that you're concerned about. I've got you. And then we move on to verse four. So Moses, here's the whole plan, right? We don't necessarily get that luxury today. We have an understanding of how we're supposed to live and the boldness that we're supposed to live in this, but we don't get necessarily the play-by-play that God gave Moses here. But even as Moses gets it, still with questions, rightfully so, even as Moses gets it, he still has a response. And this kind of fast-forwards us to chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 1. After God lays out the plan, Moses answers. But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. Moses still isn't getting it. It's, still not, it's just not clicking. It's just not clicking. Excuse number three, they won't listen to someone like me. And it really kind of teams up with that first one, right? That first excuse. And this becomes now a pattern. This becomes a, an identity for all of us, right? Again, number three, they won't listen to someone like me. They won't listen to someone like me. And this is what he says. It's almost as if demeaning ourselves takes us off the hook. Right? My, my wife comes in and says, hey, uh, can you fold the laundry? Oh, I'm terrible at folding laundry. <laughs> I can't do that. i got to go. Right? And that's what we do, right? We demean ourselves and say, I'm not good at this. And so if we say I'm not good at this enough, we're off the hook. And in reality, that almost works for some of us. Some of us are grinning right now because we have a story on that, right? That that almost works for us. Whether it's workplace, whether it's home. Some wives right now are thinking about their husbands, right? Yeah, this works for some of us. That, that if I demean myself, if I attack myself enough on this, if I sell myself short enough on this, I'm off the hook. And so Moses continues to come in and say, listen, God, I get your plan. It's well drawn up. Good job. Way to go. They're not going to listen to someone like me. Again, Phil, down the street. I've got his number. We can call him. And we're so, we're so willing to push this opportunity off on someone else because of the discomfort that it brings. 
Moses feared being embarrassed. Right? I mean, think about the life he was living. He's out in the desert. The only thing he had to impress was his flock. They followed him everywhere. If you're going to put now several hundred Israelites that I've never met before, and now I have to lead them, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be embarrassed. Thanks, but no thanks. I'm not, they're not going to listen to me. That's the excuse. And so God responds. Verse 2 in chapter 4. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? Moses says, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground. He, threw, he throws his staff on the ground. It became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. I thought there was a little comedic part uh, in the story, right? Uh, Moses, he, right, he, he's, he, he's, he's a chicken here, right? He... He runs. There's that all of a sudden, yeah, this thing I was holding is now a snake. Bye. Right, and he leaves. Right? And so he comes back. God, I guess, is able to, to convince him uh, to come back. Uh, and he says to him in verse 4, But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. Again, another thing that I think a lot of us would, would run from. So he put out his hand and caught it. And it became a staff in his hand. God says that this, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. We so badly want to control the outcome. We if you can tell me, God, that in all this I won't get embarrassed... If you could tell me that this will all work out for my good, my family stays safe, I stay safe, okay, I'll consider it. And it seems like that's where we're going. It seems like, in all reality, that's, that's the way a lot of, of our relationship with God looks like. I, I so desperately want to live for God, but there's some, there's some parameters I want to operate in in order to do this the way that's best for me on this. I think the big thing that God is trying to make Moses aware of, and I think we need to be able to wrap our minds around this too, we do not control the outcome. We just don't. If Moses had said no and walked away, in his mind he'd be telling himself at least this route is safer, but in all reality he still doesn't control the outcome of what happens next in his life. We don't get to control that. And I say this after witnessing just a crazy deal this week. So Sunday night, um, Sunday night we were eating dinner, um, and right after dinner we get a call. Kelly gets a call that her dad had a major heart attack, and that his heart was stopped. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I didn't ask Kelly's permission on this, but I'm gonna say it. So feel free to let me know if I'm in trouble later. Um, Kelly has always, I mean, since I've known her, had this, um, she's been wrestling uh, with this fear, this anxiety that something bad would happen to her parents. Um, and I'm seeing a head shake because maybe that's something you deal with. Um, she, it's a fear for her as far as her siblings go. It's a fear as far as, as us go. And so she, she has this fear because she can't control that we'll always be safe. She can't control that... Um, she won't lose her parents at a young age. And so as we get this call, 
for me, that's the first place I'm taking it. Like, okay, I have no clue what's about to happen. Um, so we, we drive up to the hospital, and um, they let us know on the way. We got an update on the way to the hospital that um, his heart had stopped for 15 minutes. Um, And that it took four AEDs to get the pulse back going. Right, four shocks. And so when we get to the hospital, we didn't even know. We just we didn't know what this looked like. Fifteen minutes. There's all there's so many different things now in play. Um, they did CPR, but we have no clue how much blood flow went to the brain. We don't know, right? And so we're in this vulnerable place where we absolutely have no control about what's about to happen next. And so we sat in the hospital that night. We sat in the hospital Monday and Tuesday. And um, the doctor just kind of said, hey, right now he just needs rest. He was able to get um, you know, his heart functioning uh, again, and now we just need rest. Um, and I remember asking, gosh, I was so scared to ask her this question. Um, I really was. Because there's this piece of you that just says, okay, let's just... Pray that he'll, he'll have more days here, and that's, then that's the prayer, right? And I understand that prayer. I acknowledge that prayer. But then there's also this piece of me, do we really understand what healing is? Do we view heaven as healing, I guess is the question. Do we view it that way? And so I, Kelly had said, it's going to be okay. It's almost like she said that in order to get me to ask this question. And I'd said, okay, I'm going to ask something. Feel free to slap away if I'm stepping on toes. Is it all going to be okay? If this doesn't go the way we want it to go, and he, he gets to stand before the gates and enter into heaven, is that okay? She looked at me. She said yes. As much as we want to control what happens next, we don't have the control whether you say yes to God or no to God. We don't have it. If you've convinced yourself that if I say no to this uncomfortable situation, that life for me will be easier, I'm here to tell you you're wrong. Because you don't get to control the outcome. And this is where, this is where God is really trying to respond to Moses in this. Right after the, the staff, after God shows him, hey, listen, this is what you're going to do. Because God's like, I get it. I get it. You're going to... They're going to doubt whether or not God sent you. So you're going to take this thing, you're going to throw it on the ground, it's going to turn into a snake, try not to run that time, okay? It'll look bad on you. But then grab it by the tail, it's going to turn into a staff, and they're going to see. You're not making this up. They're going to see in you that this is something that God is with you, Right? You will not have control over the outcome. But what God's response to Moses, he does this. He does this. He gives him this opportunity with the staff because he says, listen, all you need to do is go. Leave the results to me. And this is God's response to his third, to his third excuse. All you need to do is go and leave the results to me. All you need to do is go and leave the results to me. Before I continue on with excuse number four, I just want to give you the update. 
Uh, Pete went home yesterday. Um, had 100% blockage in what they call the Widowmaker, which is a scary name uh, for me. Uh, but uh, he went home yesterday. Doctors have, uh, have signed off on him. Uh, his, his blood pressure is good. Um, uh, we're, we're giving him a hard time right now, as we should. Um, but he went home yesterday, and he's in his home resting this morning. And so, you know, it was a crazy week, um, but all the more proof. We don't get to control the outcome as much as we want to, as much as we want to. So then we go into excuse number four, uh, and this is still in chapter four, verse number uh, ten. So after this, even after the staff and the snake deal, first off would have freaked me out. Right? If it, throw it on the st- ground, boom, it's on the ground, snake, pick it up, back to a staff again, by the way. Even after that, Moses responds with this in verse 10. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am of slow speech and of tongue. So now, hey God, I get it. The, the snake deal is pretty cool. That's awesome. I'm a terrible public speaker. That, so now that's the excuse. I can't take the Israelites out of Egypt because whenever I say gather around, I'm going to fail miserably because I'm not eloquent. I'm not well spoken. And again, they're, they're going to be like vipers looking at me. If I mess this up, they're not going to listen to me. Again, the demeaning thing happens for Moses even after God has shown him everything that he needs in order to accomplish this. I don't have the skills to get this done. That's excuse number four. I don't have the skills to get this done. I'm not a public speaker. I don't have the ability to explain the enormity of what's going on. And so God responds with this. Verse 11. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute? or deaf, or seeing, or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? And then he says in, in uh, 15, or I'm sorry, 12, Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall speak. I love this. I love that God reminds Moses again of his, of his supremacy by making Moses answer, who gave your mouth? My, my mom um, always used to say, I brought you into this world, I'll take you out of it. It's always a very humbling moment for me. Right? When your mother looks at you and says that, and you're like, wait, really? Are you going to take me out of this world? I mean, I was only three years old, Right? Don't you nod no, mother. Don't you do it. Sometimes we need to be put in our place first in order to fully understand this, right? Sometimes we need to be humbled. I struggle with praying that prayer sometimes. God, humble me. Because sometimes that's what I need. I need to come to the end of myself in order to truly live what happens next. I would encourage you, if you've never prayed that before, pray it. Don't blame it on me what happens next, though. Because sometimes I have. I've needed to be humbled. I think in this place, uh, Moses just needs both humbling and assurance, honestly. That God's got him through this. He's so fixated on it, it's going it's to be determined off of me. 
Moses is so fixed on, I'm the make or break in this situation. I love that God had him. Hey, who gave you your mouth? And Moses had to answer, you did. So God's response to, I don't have the skills to get this done. You go, and I will empower you where you need it. You go, and I will empower you where you need it. I will provide for you. When we go on adventures of the God size, He comes along and does things through us that we are incapable of doing on our own. And I don't know what that looks like for you in your life. I don't know if you've seen that. I know in getting to talk with uh, Kelly's dad over the past couple of days that he's been uh, awake, I just keep hearing story after story of, of, of God seeing, or of Pete seeing God's working in his life. And, and I, I would imagine uh, a situation like this makes you really look at those. Makes you look at those gifts, those blessings that you have, the places where God has helped you, where God has intervened, where God has empowered. But then we get to this, this last part. And we really start to see the root of, everywhere that Mo, of everything that Moses is saying in this. Moses says, uh, in, in verse 13, but he said, Oh my Lord, please send someone else. And that's it. Please send someone else, anyone but me. I'm going to again tell you about Phil down the street. And this is the root of all of it. Moses, and this is the last excuse, Moses just doesn't want to do it. This is the last excuse. I think this is the root of all of it. Right? And we, we, I hear this in my Kinsey all the time. My, my youngest daughter, like, she is the worst at cleaning her room. She's smiling laughing right now because she knows it's true. She's the worst at it, right? Like, hey, go clean your room. She'll come out like three minutes later. All right, done. Got it. Can I go play now? Well, let's go see. And we go to her room, and it's like, no. no. Where does that go? Uh, it goes in my drawer. Okay, where does that go? Well, that's trash. I should have thrown that away. And you start to see, like, her idea of, of doing this is, is nowhere close to where it should be. She just doesn't want to clean her room. And I get it. No kid's like, man, what are you doing today? Cleaning. No kid's doing that. Right? What do you want to do for your birthday? Clean? No kid's doing that. Right? And so Kinsey's in this place. I just don't want to do it. And when you, and you see the fruits of, of the time that she spends, you see what she's missing out on. If you could just take that for a second to your life, the things that we don't want to do, what are we missing out on? We have no clue. It's passing us by. What opportunities are we missing out on? We have no clue because we have this mindset, I just don't want to do it. And then we start to get to God's response on this. Because again, after all of this, after all of this, God is one patient guy. After all of this, Moses just comes back and says, please send somebody else. And God responds in verse 14, chapter 10, with this. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother the Levite, 
I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand the staff with which you shall do the signs. So as Moses says, I don't want to do this. Send someone else. God says, I am enough. There have been people who God has sent in my life I desperately needed. I did not know I needed them. I needed them, though. There have been, there's been a church that came in and changed the way I understood what community meant. There have been these, these moments, this, I call them catalysts, that come in and just change everything. My fear for us is that we're so busy looking at where we fall short that we miss out on all of it. And we're left however many years down the road saying, you know, I didn't... I didn't see God move the way that you did. We're talking to people. We're talking to other followers, other children of Christ. I I haven't seen a lot of miracles. I haven't seen the lost be found. I haven't seen the blind see. And I think a lot of it is because we're so busy when we look at ourselves in the mirror just fixated on the areas where we fall short. I want to encourage you. Even after this week, I've been, I've been beat by this. I've been beat by this. But that last response that God has to Moses is very simple. I am enough. So the desire, the hope is that as you leave this, as you continue to pursue what God is showing you in your life, that you'd stop looking at yourself and what you're capable of doing. And I would stop looking at myself and my capabilities or where I fall short. Or do I look the part? Am I eloquent enough in my speaking? That I'd stop being so fixed on I'm trying to be a certain Christian, then when I get there, God, use me. I'm trying to get away from that. I challenge you to pursue that as well. That God is, is right now in your life. He, he, pull, he pulls a guy 40 years into hiding and says, hey, it's time to go. You've been a shepherd for the past 40 years. You killed the guy. You buried him and you're hiding. It's time to use you. Moses did not have it all together. In fact, he used excuse after excuse after excuse showing I didn't have it all together. And God says, got you. I'm enough. I'm enough for you. That's what I want to leave you with. That's what I want to challenge you with. As you look, as I would imagine as we said this, there's been people pop up at your work. There's been family, I would imagine, that's popped up in your head like, yeah, I've wanted I've wanted to reach out to them. I've wanted to challenge. I've wanted to, to, to all of us together grow. Uh, moms, dads, I've wanted our families to grow closer to Christ together. 
and not just be individual walks, but us to do it together. But I'm worried about what that looks like. I'm fearful that I won't have all the answers. And God simply looks at you and says, I am enough. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you don't leave it up to us. That in all reality, if my life went the way that I thought it should go, I don't know that I'd really have any joy in my life. So I thank you that you step in and you empower. I thank you that you step in and you save. I thank you that as weak as my flesh may be, you come in, your arms wrapped around me, saying, let's go, we got this. You are a God of an unconditional love that I'll never be able to fathom. As many times as Moses said no, as many times as Moses said, here's why I can't do this, your unconditional love reached out and equipped him with everything that he needed. God, as we continue to see Moses' story, he saves your children. He frees your children because of his faith, his faith that struggled that I know all of us have in our stories, in our testimonies. God, I pray that as we look ahead, that we would be more bold, that we would be deeply rooted in the foundation of your promises, of your words, of your truth that we find in Scripture, that it would be a driving force for everything that we do. We wouldn't look at the, 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 the areas of our life where we fall short. We'd look at your amazing grace, your amazing love that you continue to pour on us and the miracles that you performed and you continue to perform. I thank you that you're a God of intervention. We desperately need it. We love you. We do this in your son's beautiful name. Amen. You guys are dismissed. I hope you have an awesome and blessed rest of your week.